0: Welcome back once again. Here we are, true crime on Easy Street. We are at Easy Street Restaurant, Bar, and Performance Hall. Scott, it's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. Uh Did you enjoy your the the sunshine?
1: Well, for the most part, I just I can't seem to get warm, or if I'm either too warm or too cold today. It's you know it's what is 45 degrees last night and. High mm-hmm. 60s, low 70s today, but I just can't seem to get... I'm oh, just,
0: man, if you get out in the sunshine and you stay in the sunshine, it's perfect. Yeah, I love this weather. I
1: sit in an office for most of the day.
0: Ah, oh, so that, that sucks. sucks. I'm sorry about yeah. that. Thanks oh, for
1: reminding uh, me. Yeah,
0: well, so welcome, everybody. My name is Kelly Turner. I'm not a doctor. I'm Katie Givens, and I'm not a lawyer.
1: My name is Scott Wright, and I'm a mediocre journalist, and we are not alone at the table today. We have two other people here with us. We have... So exciting. I know this is going to be the best mm-hmm. one we've ever done, I swear. Yep. Uh, Bo Jolly and Caitlin Jolly, his daughter, they are here with us. Bo is a... Uh, he's in charge of the patrol division now for the Cherokee County Sheriff's Department, right?
2: That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but at the time when all of this happened uh, in 2006, and we'll get to that in just a moment, uh, Bo was an investigator for the Sheriff's Department. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, And Caitlin was six when all of this happened, but we are going to, uh, she's a big fan of the show and I bumped into her a few weeks ago and we talked about maybe having her on the show sometime and she seemed excited about it. And when I told you guys my idea, you didn't blackball me out of the group. So I figured (laughs) that that was going to be okay. No, we love it. Welcome. Yeah. So Caitlin, welcome to the show.
3: Hi, how are you all?
1: Doing just fine. Uh, now so you have listened to the show before, is that correct? Yes, I have listened. And you to are getting day. married on Saturday, is that correct? Yes. And your last name will not be Jolly anymore after Saturday, it will be Gosset and you're going on your honeymoon to Nashville. Yes. Well, Scott,
4: there's a little more involved to changing your name than just getting married. I mean, it's a whole legal process. Well, I wouldn't
1: know know anything about that. Uh, It's a lot. I am as yet unattached, so uh, (laughs) I I don't know what you guys are talking about. National (laughs) is going to be a lot of fun. Make sure and go to the wheel if you have a moment. I know we're probably not supposed to uh, advocate for businesses that aren't involved in the sponsorship of this show, but the wheel is really cool and awesome, and you'll have a good time. Um, anybody else have any nashville tourism advice i, I just for i love
0: the whole place you you're gonna have a great time yeah, no matter say. where you go you're gonna congratulations and i hope i hope when this airs you're there but you're like wait a minute i've got to stop and listen, oh, I'm
3: definitely gonna stop and listen. <laughs> <laughs> i love that
0: that's awesome congratulations so today's story mm-hmm. is scott give me one word to describe today's story
1: well, I've already said bonkers a few weeks uh, ago, so I can't say, say bonkers again. You can't, again, say, bonkers. So, bonkers. So, nope, you can't say bonkers. I'm going to try not to swear since there's a young person in oh, the yeah. room today. Why don't uh, you
0: watch your mouth, Potty okay.
1: Mouth? Um, crap Nuts.
0: Oh, wow. It's
1: crap nuts crazy.
0: Okay. Is that there. a hyphenated word or is that just uh, it's, it's all one for word? For purposes of nuts. this
1: discussion, it is hyphenated. That okay,
0: is Southern. I cannot wait to hear this story. Well, I am, uh, hey, the, uh, to the to the audience, to the to the three listeners we have, I well, just want to tell two you. Two of them are here. Two of them are here. So to the other listener, yeah. I just want to tell you that I'm coming into this story just like you. I, I'm going to learn
1: it. With you. You didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I gave you half of this book. I ripped this book in half and gave you a book half of it. He
0: literally ripped a book in half (laughs) and gave it to me and I did
1: nothing. Well then I will expect you to take that home and tape my book back together.
0: I will Probably not yeah, do that, but yeah, here you go. <laughs> give but,
3: her the side, though.
1: Okay, yeah, we yeah, I did keep the photographs.
0: Yeah, um, you get you Bo kept all the good stuff. You well, gave me just the words,
1: and that's your excuse now for not reading it. Whatever. <laughs> um, so we're gonna we're talking about a case that happened here in Cherokee County, mm-hmm. uh, barely, and Bo will explain that in a few moments. Uh, but it barely happened here in Cherokee County, but it did, and it was in 2006. And so I looked for some things on Wikipedia to tell everybody about. You know how we set the table and kind of remind you of what was going on in the world. Uh, not a lot happened in 2006. According to Wikipedia, very boring year, 2006. Uh, Twitter was founded in March, and that's about it. Uh, there were some really cool movies, though. Uh, Mission Impossible 3 was at the theater at the time. Uh, Casino Royale, the first Daniel Craig attempt, uh, or, or James Bond movie, and he just, the, the current one that is out now is his sixth and final.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, James Bond is Daniel Craig. Superman Returns, which I thought was a very underrated movie. I'll probably get phone calls about that. Uh, the Da Vinci Code and Happy Feet, and that brought... Brings me back to Caitlin. Do you remember going to see Happy Feet? Are you a movie person, or were you when you were six?
3: Um, I, I remember seeing Happy Feet.
4: I sing I that don't. song. Um, don't push me, cause I'm close to the edge.
1: <laughs> see, I don't. I don't know. Now, Happy I, Feet? now I have to watch the movie. What do you remember about the movie, Caitlin?
3: Um, I think I remember the penguin with the. Mohawk, but that's about it. I'm not watching
1: it. <laughs> there was a penguin with a mohawk, and I haven't seen it. <laughs> I did. Well, it and it's got that song. Looks like You're, I'll be um, missing Monday Night Football tonight. To go you were talking about
0: Superman Returns being an underrated movie. Yeah. One of our former guests, Stacey Smith, will probably give you hate mail for that. I don't, really? I don't think she was a fan. Huh. All right. Well.
1: Mm. I
0: don't think she was. She loves Superman. That's like her oh. favorite.
1: Oh. Well, then maybe let's mm-hmm. don't let her know that I said that. <laughs> no, I'm going to
0: call her tonight. <laughs> yeah,
1: wait until tomorrow. Give me one night's decent sleep before okay. you let Stacy know that I bad a movie or good-mouthed a movie that she doesn't like. <laughs> How about that? Um, all right, so, so we've established that we have guests in the room tonight. Uh, yes. And Bo was very instrumental in this case. But let me give you a little bit of the background about this case before uh, we, we kind of let Bo tell us what happened. Um, so... On April the 6th, 2006, a lady named Darlene Roberts is driving home from her job in Rome, Georgia. And we've talked about Rome, Georgia on this show many times. It's where you go if you live around here and you want to visit a chain restaurant or, or go to a shopping mall or see a movie in a theater. Uh, but she was at her job that afternoon. And on her way home, she had dropped off her daughter. Uh, she's headed to her house. And it's a weird situation to get to the house where Darlene Roberts lived because you, you leave the highway in the state of Georgia, but then you get into the state of Alabama. It's right on the state line. So you get into the state of Alabama where she actually lived, which is why Bo and the Sheriff's Department here in Cherokee County got called instead of the Floyd County Sheriff's Department. That's correct. Yeah. So, But it's, it's a weird place. The only way to get there is, is to turn off of a highway in Georgia, and that takes you into this area. So it's sort of a rural area. There's a, uh, there's a field there. There's a pond. It's kind of a, uh, of a vacant area uh not mm-hmm. a very hip, heavily populated area so darlene is driving home she's just within a couple of miles of her house at this point and
0: um scott did you say what time of the day it was and if you did i'm sorry i was like I blanked uh, probably
1: out. not but it's <clears throat> it's in april so it's early afternoon it's 4:35 o'clock so, she's had so a full day at the office daylight. and gone shopping with her yeah i mean it's it's, it's, it's getting daylight. dark it's not summertime and it's going to be daylight until 8:30 like like mm-hmm. we all know it is so it's the light is starting to fade and she pulls over to help this person that she doesn't recognize. And it turns out there's a second person there. And this person is wearing uh, a disguise. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a sweatsuit with a hood over it and a surgical mask and some sunglasses. And it turns out that the two people who have pulled over Darlene Roberts on the side of the road are Barbara Ann Roberts and her boyfriend, Robert. Shice.
0: So, what makes her think that she needs to pull over? How you said she pulled over to help them. Southern hospitality. But what are they doing? Like, what's going on? The hood's up
1: on the truck. So they're just. And he's waving her to to please pull over. At
0: this time, a mask Mm -hmm. would have seemed odd. Well, I I mean, nowadays, if you see someone with a mask,
1: I think that Barbara surgical mask. I think that Barbara was hidden. From view at the time. Oh, okay. And, and, and Bo can probably shed some light on that. But it, it, what happened was, when, when she pulled over, uh, Bob Scheiss reaches into the car, pulls her out, and starts to try and tie her up. And she realizes that she's in big trouble. And I think mm-hmm. at some point, Barbara comes around the edge of the vehicle and exposes herself uh, in a way that makes it obvious to Darlene who she's involved with. And she, at this, at this point, is afraid for her life because Barbara has said for years that if anything ever happens to me, it was Darlene who did it. And to give you a little background, Darlene is the ex-wife of a man named Vernon Roberts, who doesn't really factor into this story, except for the fact that he's the common denominator between Barbara and Darlene. And Barbara uh, was his high school sweetheart. They grew up together in Texas, and they moved out here to uh, Georgia after he got transferred from his job. Uh, he worked for Inland Container. Maybe we don't need to tell that. Uh, but he, he got moved, relocated to... Uh, a plant in Georgia, so they moved to rural Alabama. But at some point, they, their marriage came apart and they got divorced. And so that happened maybe in the early 2000s. And here we are in 2006. And Vernon is married again. And this time he's married to a lady named Darlene. And it is Darlene who is driving home from work that afternoon when she is flagged down on the side of the road. And it turns out that it is Barbara, Vernon's former wife, and her new boyfriend. A neurologist named a neurosurgeon named Robert Scheiss.
0: So Barbara's the one that pops up because she's she's staying hid because Darlene would recognize her that on is, the side that of the was,
1: road. That is what she gotcha. explained later that would be her fear if she was there on the side of the road that Darlene would recognize her. And if I haven't already mentioned this, Darlene had a fear for years, the entire time that she was married to Vernon or that they were together. That if anything ever happened to her, she said it to her friends, she said it to her son. Mm-hmm. If anything ever happens to me, go find Barbara.
0: Okay, so she probably did this to me.
1: So she realizes at some point that she is probably in fear for her life. So she takes off running through this field. Uh, she's not wearing shoes. Bo told me that. I didn't know that until we spoke earlier uh, last week. Uh, she goes running through a field and tries to hide. Later that night, the crime was perpetrated. A murder takes place in that field, uh, and Darlene is the victim of that murder. And witnesses find the body, place a phone call to 911, and you were one of the first people on the scene. So, Bo, tell us what it was that you saw when you got to that field on April the 6th, 2006.
2: So, as uh, I got to the scene, uh, there was several people there, including the witnesses that actually dialed 911. I was the investigator on call, so I was the only investigator that arrived first. I had contacted our other two investigators to come with us because, or to come up there with me, because I knew that we were probably going to need some extra help because we try to all work together when we work in a major crime scene. And I knew that the light was going to be getting low because of the time of day it was. Mm-hmm. So we had a couple of deputies that was on the scene. And like I said, a couple of witnesses. And shortly after I got there, another investigator arrived, and we decided that we would take a uh, survey through the field, or it was actually a pasture that had grown up, and there was a pond that was located in the middle of that area. And so we began walking down to where the witness told us that there was a body. And so when we got down to the edge of the pond, um, of course, we found a body that was laying face down that appeared to be a female.
1: And so, I guess it, you guys are dealing with, with impending darkness. Uh, and I, if I remember correctly from Sheila Johnson's book, and Sheila Johnson has done it again. She's written another great book we've borrowed from her before uh, yes. for information on this show. And uh, uh, she's done it again with Blood Ambush. Uh, but there was some mention of the fact that um, there was weather. It was. Coming, there was supposed to be some stormy weather later that night. Is that anything that rings a bell with you? No. Okay. All right. Uh, She mentioned that there was there was a problem with uh, storms were forecast for later in the evening, so maybe there was some concern that you had to get out there and get as much as you could before the rain washed everything away. But so you guys get down there and you find you start to bag things and tag things, and I'm not sure exactly how this works, having never done it myself. But you guys found some evidence that night. But really, it was it was a couple of days later before you found some more evidence that was even more compelling than what you found the first day. Right?
2: Yeah, so we, we <clears throat> collected a lot of evidence that night um, that was around the edge of the pond, uh, that was through the pasture. Um, I don't know what kind of evidence you want me to discuss, but there was some shotgun shells okay. that was mm-hmm. in the edge of the pond, some uh, shotgun wadding. Mm-hmm. That's that was around there. There was some gauze bandaging that really kind of threw us for a loop as to what was the gauze bandages just strewn through the through the sagebrush and briars. But we later learned what that was about. And uh, so after marking and collecting and taking pictures of all that evidence there, uh, there was also what we later, def- found out that Darlene's vehicle was parked in the same pasture.
1: Right. So, uh, and, and But what happened, what, what you guys were able to piece together, tell me when I get this wrong, is that when Darlene took off running through this field, running for her life, Yes. they jumped into her car, which maybe was even still running at the time.
2: Uh, Most likely.
1: Right. They jumped into her car and began to chase her through this field in, their, in her own vehicle.
2: Yes, yeah, so she's running, and she's barefooted. Yeah. And you know, you talked earlier about how far we were into Alabama. We were only about three hundred yards from the state line as to the direction she ran from, if she had just kept running straight instead of circling back toward that pond, she would have entered a large wooded area, which was actually the state line at that point. And I don't think I think she'd still be alive today if she'd have made it to the
0: And he hate that. Just just one.
1: Well, just
2: you're in a panic, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, she's just running from her for life, and of course, where she was running from her car in the direction of the state line, you know, safety's always at home, or you feel like it is. Mm -hmm. Well, she lives opposite of that state line area, so you know, down the back the other way is home. So I guess she turns, you know, just just trying Mm -hmm. to come up. Hey, where am
1: I going? Let's. I should run for home.
2: Now, let us go home. Yeah. I know where I can get to be safe. Exactly. Right. Now, how old is she at the
0: time of this? Does
2: uh, anybody know? She would have been,
1: uh, I, I know that Darlene was, I think, I'm sorry, Barbara was 50, I think, when this happened. So I'm going to guess somewhere in the general vicinity, maybe mid 40s. Mm-hmm.
0: So she's a 40 year old woman. She's on foot. She's barefooted. She's running through. She's all kicked the off her,
1: right, Bo. She kicked off her high heels and threw yeah, them in the car beside know, her.
2: I learned this earlier in working the case that a lot of uh, women don't like to drive with high heels on. Right. That she is She was in sure. an office setting so, you know, mm-hmm. we find her high heels in the passenger floorboard mm-hmm. when we start going through the car.
1: So when this happens to her and she realizes she is going to have to run for her life because Bob Scheiss has tried to wrap that gauze around her arms and her wrists and, and shove it into her mouth so she can't scream and then there's that, that plastic uh, like saran wrap. Right that they that I also used that you guys found the rest of that role later in his apartment. Uh, but it was just, it was scattered about, and it took a little while for you guys to piece together why this was all
2: there. Right, and like I said, we were running out of daylight that night, and, and um, we had left some folks there at the scene that night after we finally finished up. And the next morning when we got there, this is where we actually noticed the trail of the vehicle. And, and maybe her path, the way they followed her around through that pasture to get to where... Uh
1: I mean, that's just a harrowing. I can't even imagine what it must have been like to, to literally, I hate to say it again, to be running for your life and somebody's chasing you in your own car, maybe firing that shotgun out the window, right? right. Isn't that, weren't yeah. there shells inside the vehicle?
2: There was shells, not necessarily inside the vehicle, but okay. along that path that that vehicle traveled through that pasture.
1: So you imagine this scenario where she's running and trying to duck and hide and they're chasing around and maybe somebody's leaning out the window.
2: That's what we think.
1: Taking shots at her. Right um and though, so eventually she gets to to the edge of the pond and she's trying to hide
2: yeah cuz there's like tall grass if you've ever been to a, a pond that's out in the country is, there's these big clumps of grass that grows in the edge of the pond mm-hmm. and it's as if mm-hmm. she was down behind one of those hiding oh. yeah. just trying just hoping they don't yeah.
0: find her yeah right
1: maybe get start before they give up and turn around and go the other 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 direction but they didn't well, uh, she
4: was probably not a runner i mean at this point i mean you're tired, and your feet might, you know, cut mm-hmm. up, and everything. I can't imagine what she's running through just being a pasture. You don't know what's out there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a rolling hill type pasture. It's not mm-hmm. like a flat pasture. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, where she started running from is up higher grade as to where she ended up down in the pond. But mm-hmm. it was like through a rolling hill pasture that she ran through, and she probably ran a couple of hundred yards before. You know, if you haven't was,
0: ran in a while, that's a long ways. Yeah, that's. And when you're in a yeah. you're in a sprint like that, when you're you're trying to you know adrenaline is just Absolutely. carrying you. You know, she's probably a little faster than she normally would be. Right, but
4: eventually you're going to give out.
0: Eventually, it's going to catch up to you. So, so then what happened after after they're chasing her and she's running to the pond?
1: Uh, Bo, you want to take that, <laughs> or do you want me to do it? Well, I mean, th- they they she she was shot three times with a shotgun from pretty close range, right?
2: Well, fatal shots. I would say that three times was probably accurate, but we think that she was shot multiple more times because there was like, um, um, birdshot stippling, you know, all over her back where, you know, there was, I think she was probably shot three times to, to end her life. But, I think she was shot multiple times throughout that whole so that, chase. That car chase in mm-hmm. that in so that tell pasture. Us what for
0: those for those listeners and those of us who don't aren't familiar with with bullets and things like that, bird shot. What do you and, and that being all over her back? What is that? Bird
2: like little pellets that okay. are that are inside the shotgun shell and when the shotgun is fired, of course you have a broad mm-hmm. uh, pattern that comes out of the end of that barrel and those little bitty uh, Pellets, lead pellets are like smaller than BBs. Okay. And there's a bunch of them in there. I don't know how many, hundreds of hundreds, them. Hundreds, right. Yeah. And there was like little spots all over her back that you could see where sleep. she'd been hit with that. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's as she ran. Most likely. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And on the backside of her arms, you know, when you're well, you running. You can tell when you're running. You know, yeah. hmm. What's mm-hmm. exposed is what's getting hit.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You
1: guys know that this crime is taking place. There's, uh, I mean, One of the first things that you always think of, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because we know that her husband had nothing to do with this today. But one of the first things I think that any investigative team thinks of is, hey, we need to get the husband and find out what's going on here. And it wasn't long before he came down the road and he had been to Rome to look for her.
2: Yeah, actually, one of the neighbors that live in the area, um, that, that driveway, or I call it a driveway, it's a private drive, it's a dirt road. It's marked as a white county road sign, which Mm -hmm. marks as a county or a private drive in our county. Um, It's a long dirt road that leads from the main road all the way back to the edge of the river, and there's houses all along through there after you get so far. And one of the other neighbors actually came up, and I don't remember exactly who was talking to him at some point, but he actually said that the owner of the white car that's in the pasture he went down the road in his gold truck earlier. Mm-hmm. He left, and there's one way in and one way out. Yeah, so we waited on him to come back because we knew he was coming back at some point, most likely. So when we saw him coming, then we stopped him.
4: So this is the next day.
2: No, this is that night.
4: That oh, that same night. That, yeah, it that was, same night.
2: It was. Uh, I don't remember exactly what time I actually got there, but it was within an hour, hour and a half. It was getting dark. So
4: had he gone yeah. out looking for her?
2: that's what his story was is uh-huh. that he had left to go find she, she her because she was overdue work. for being home he yes. actually contacted him according to to what he told us she contacted him when she left from work saying that I'm going to take my daughter home. We're going to stop at Walmart on the way. Do you need me to get anything in particular? Because she was getting groceries. Right. Right. So
4: your normal, you know,
2: after work call mm-hmm. that you make to your spouse when you're coming home. But he knew she was overdue, so he leaves mm-hmm. to go find her at Walmart.
1: And I and Bill, I'm curious. I wonder if if Vernon ever gave you guys any indication that he was concerned for her safety, just because of all the problems they'd had with his former wife at that point, because of what Darlene herself had said. With you know, if something ever happens to me, go look for Barbara. I wonder how much Vernon was concerned that Barbara has maybe not this, but maybe you know uh, uh, blocked her in the in the parking spot at Walmart or, or accosted her in an aisle.
2: You know, I don't know what he discussed during his initial interview. Of course, okay. after we got him coming back down the road, our a couple of our other investigators took him into custody and carried him, and transported him to another location to interview him to start interviewing him, mm-hmm. and. I wasn't there during that interview process, uh, but I don't think he ever at that point in time knew what was really going on. Right. And he didn't give us any clue as to give us the name of Barbara at As point. to
4: be worried okay. about one thing okay. in particular.
1: He right. just
2: knew she was overdue coming home, and, and he went to look for her. And mm-hmm. when he
1: got back and you guys were all there, he knew that something <laughs> probably bad had happened. Yes. And, and, and saw the car that his wife had well, left see, for work where, that morning.
2: Where he drove out of his down that dirt road to go out, mm-hmm. you couldn't see her car, so right. he didn't see it when he left.
1: The incident had already taken place in that field. Yes, when yes. he yes. got yes. in she his truck. She was laying
2: in that pond, right. deceased, when he left.
1: Yeah. Um. So all right. So we don't really have. We we you guys figure out pretty fast that that Vernon had nothing to do with his wife's death, uh, but it's another couple of days before. You really start to piece together what you think might have happened. And, and that one piece of evidence that, that you and I talked about that was so key to solving this, you want to tell us a little bit about the, the discovery of that piece of evidence?
2: So, this happened, uh, the initial crime scene was on Thursday. And then we worked all day th- or all night Thursday night into Friday, most of the day Friday. And then we were off Saturday. And then about uh, 12 o'clock, One of our investigators actually called and said, "Hey, we need to come back up here. We need to look again." So we were up there, and we were, you know, look. We knew we were looking for a shotgun. We didn't know exactly what brand or anything, but we knew it was a 12 gauge shotgun. Uh, So we're brainstorming, trying to figure out where this shotgun might be, and then somebody comes up with an idea of, "Hey, maybe it's in the pond." So Mm -hmm. let's get some divers up here. So this is afternoon on Saturday. And then as we're waiting on divers to get there, um, we're kind of in the area where the crime scene was actually at, where her, where her body was located. Um, there was a group of us standing around, and I just happened to look down, and I noticed that something didn't look just right. And as I bent down to look, there's a half of a pair of eyeglasses laying in the pasture. So we immediately started photographing and marking that evidence, And took that evidence into into bags and and brought it back to the sheriff's office. We finished doing our dive or whatever. We didn't find anything. And then so uh, by dark Saturday, we were done again. Right. Because there's no light up there. And then on Monday, we start brainstorming, hey, what are we going to do about these glasses? Okay. So one of the other investigative agencies, which was then... Uh, ABI or Alabama Bureau of Investigations, one of their agents was there and we're trying to come up with an idea of how we're going to, how we're going to piece this pair of eyeglasses back to somebody. Mm-hmm. So we're also interviewing uh, family members because we had asked them to come in, such as uh, Darlene's daughter, right. And Vernon. And I think uh, even Darlene's sister was there.
1: And, yeah. And her son. At some point. At some point.
2: Yeah. And then uh, somebody mentioned Barbara to us that day. and
1: First you guys had heard of her name.
2: The first that I can remember that we heard of her name was Barbara that day. Okay. And and then Vernon started telling these stories about how Barbara, after he started dating and seeing Darlene, would interject himself or interject herself into – their relationship somehow. So we had some kind of idea about Barbara at mm-hmm. that point. Well, we took those eyeglasses and started contacting optometrists in and around the Atlanta area because we had also learned about Barbara and and uh, Chase
5: mm-hmm.
2: being together mm-hmm. at some point. So we found out where he was living, and we found out he's in Conyers, Georgia. Right. So we started contacting optometrists in Rome and in Conyers, Georgia, and found Pearl Vision of Conyers, Georgia. And I didn't know this at the time, but apparently if you get a pair of eyeglasses made somewhere at an eye doctor, they're serialized to just you.
1: Like a number that's carved very tiny. I didn't know
2: that either. Uh, Oh, wow. Okay. they told us that, uh, yes, they did have Barbara Roberts as a patient at this particular Pearl Vision, and they also went on to tell us that she had came in that Friday saying that she had broken her glasses and wants them repaired, and Ooh. she only had half of them.
0: So that yeah. was, uh, wow, just after wow. the crime, she's, she's back worried about her glasses. So we
2: go over a day or two later to Conyers, Georgia, to visit Pearl Vision with that pair of, half a pair of glasses. and. They take the glasses, and and just in a few minutes, they look and say, yep, those belong to Barbara Roberts because they're serialized to her. They have a serial number somewhere on them that says they they were made by Mm -hmm. her. And then they tell us that she had, again, come in the next day saying, I need my glasses fixed because I had lost one half of them. I failed during the rollerblade night. Yeah, she was trying to learn to
1: rollerblade and tripped and gave herself two black eyes and broke her glasses in half.
0: Oh my goodness. So you're at this point in time you guys are very interested. Oh yeah. In talking to Barbara.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) To say the least. And and well and but you guys didn't get a chance to talk to her for several days because she was out of town in Texas because when her mother found out that Darlene had been killed, I can only assume that Barbara's mother thought oh, hell, Barbara has killed this woman. And she had a heart attack and died on the spot.
2: Well, I don't know if she thought Barbara had done it. but
1: Oh, yeah. But, That's what I think.
2: You know, <laughs> Vernon and Barbara were married, and like you said earlier, they were high school sweethearts. So they moved from Texas to Alabama, or his job carried him to Georgia. Mm-hmm. But their families knew one another because they grew up in the same town. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I did not realize center.
1: that. Okay,
0: So, so small town Texas. Right, everybody, everybody knows gotcha. everybody. you.
2: Okay. So apparently, from what we were told, was that somebody had contacted Vernon's family, who in turn contacted Barbara's family, mm-hmm. her mother. Mm-hmm. And because they, even though Barbara and, Dar- uh, Barbara and Vernon were separated or divorced, they still thought a lot of Vernon. I see. So when they found out that his wife had been murdered, according to what we were told, it, her mom had a heart attack from very distraught over the situation and apparently she died herself Mm -hmm. and and that's the reason that barbara and Shice ended up in texas in the next couple of days
1: and they were there for let's see i think it was the this all happened on the 6th and 7th and 8th and we're getting into the 8th and 9th with this weekend that you're talking about when you guys finally go back and find the eyeglasses and and have the scuba divers come out but it's the 18th before they get back from Texas. And at that point, you guys, uh, somebody meets them at the airport with a pair of handcuffs. Is that correct?
2: Yes, we had, of course, continued our investigation. Um, we'd talk, and, or we had talked to her nephew, who that she and she. Oh, I forgot about the with. nephew. That's
1: good information. The nephew's
2: yeah. a deputy sheriff in the county that they all live in, and Barbara and she says living or staying with him while they're there for the funeral for her mom. In Texas. In Texas. And uh, I don't remember how it played out, whether they contacted us or what. But anyway, that particular deputy actually contacted us at some point and said, hey, they're asking questions that don't add up. So
0: he, he's <clears throat> something smells fishy to him. Correct. correct.
1: And yeah, then, they, were, they were asking about, he wanted to know about uh, fingerprints, I believe was one of the topics that he mentioned and, and asked the deputy the, the nephew about. Right. Um, and when they picked him up at the airport in Atlanta, uh, Scheiss had 14 pages that he printed off of the internet about how to, uh, about fingerprint technology, the, the science of how fingerprints are lifted off of things. Uh, and so that was in his wallet or in his uh, attache case. And uh, just, you know, I mean, the, the in fishiness. His what? In his attache case. What did I say?
4: I just don't know that term. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh. His leather bag um, had this information in it, right? So they that that seemed even fishier and fishier.
4: So wait, they come back to Atlanta and y'all met him there or do you have to well, have a Georgia?
2: We actually troopers? before we knew about when they were coming back. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so we had gotten with the DA's office and gotten an approval for an for an arrest warrant for both for murder. Was
4: the Eyeglasses enough to get that warrant, or yes,
2: that and some other stuff that mm-hmm. that helped the DA make the decision to say, "Hey, okay, we're going to let you have this warrant." We, I mm-hmm. think that you know you're on the right track.
4: How did you get Shias along with her? What, did you have extra evidence to connect him that he was at the scene?
2: Well, no, not really, as far as physical evidence uh-huh. like the eyeglasses. But, but, you but know we she knew those two were together mm-hmm. because we had we had gotten. Enough information from the uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigation at that time. They'd done mm-hmm. some criminal background checks on on them both, mm-hmm. where and they, they both were both time, arrested you know. at the same time, which started out to be in a in a domestic situation on the side of the highway, yep. and a trooper ended up arresting them and uh, bringing them bringing him to jail for DUI, I believe it was, and then uh-huh. they and uh, part of the domestic, and then also charged her with a, attempted assault because. The patrol officer actually caught her reaching into the trunk of a car for a pair of scissors after he had arrested <laughs> she or Shice and placed him in the back seat of the patrol car. But them two were fighting oh, on the side wow. of the road as the troopers driving yeah. down the interstate.
1: Yeah. And there were a couple of witnesses. I forgot about this until you just said it. There were two or three witnesses that afternoon before Darlene got back from her trip to Walmart uh, on her way home that had driven up and down County Road 941 and had seen the little black pickup truck with a couple arguing in front of it. And at one point, one guy said that he thought that the that the lady involved was red-faced and maybe had been crying. Another person said that maybe he, the guy pushed the girl. And then when they showed pictures of Scheiss and Barbara Roberts to these people who had driven by on the road, three of them said, yeah, that's the guy.
2: Actually, that, that contact was made after the... Was that after? We, we think okay. that it was after because that was at the intersection of... You said 941. I can't remember if it's 941 or 914 is the. Oh, yeah. You may, maybe, yeah. And 182, which is our county road at that intersection, is when one of our witnesses that actually called in 911 said that he saw a black Dodge pickup truck with what he thought to be Alabama plates because they were red, white, and blue. Mm -hmm. And there were two people, a man and a woman arguing. Mm -hmm. And the the female looked very distraught and crying Mm -hmm. and red faced, like you said.
1: Yeah. Maybe they had just committed murder and he's like, get in the car. We've got to get out of here. Or, you know, it's easy to piece that together now, but maybe that's exactly the conversation they were having on the side of the road yeah, at man. that moment. Yeah, well, and
0: so. you would notice the difference in license plates if you're from Alabama versus Georgia around here. Because right. we see, yeah. you know, it's not hard to to spot a Georgia license plate around here because they have the big peach on them. They're different colors. Yep. And then the Alabama ones are the same. They, they they don't have a peach on them. They're red, white, and blue, as you said. So they would they would take notice if it were, you know, a little bit different. But so you're saying that they saw this after the crime.
2: The witnesses, the, yes. so They we, saw we the two people. Mm-hmm. They saw them coming out of that Coming railroad, out. Mm-hmm. And then they turned right and went back toward Georgia. So that was probably when they were leaving the, the crime scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do we think Barbara is distraught because... Of everything that's just happened? Or do we think Barbara is distraught because she is missing her glasses? Well, I think
2: that uh, what (laughs) happened out there was we found a half a pair of glasses and them two got into another argument after they or one of them, whoever fired the last shot, we think that they got into an argument and he hit her with the butt of that shotgun and broke her glasses because she ended up with two black eyes
0: uh-huh from and a, that would do a it
2: rollerblading accident that you know mm-hmm. we don't think ever happened. well
1: they found yeah. the rollerblades in the apartment but they'd never been out of the box that's
0: correct like you're you're kind of basing that on your history of domestic violence correct. he he has been violent to her as well as she's been violent to him yes right? and
2: she okay. told us at some point that he he was he drank a lot and he took pain medication Mm-hmm. And the two don't mix. Very no, well. yeah. no that's they'd all the been, bottle.
1: they'd been in a bad car accident two hours. Um, I'm sorry, two years before this happened. And, uh, he had been a successful neurosurgeon up until this accident that they were in together after they had started dating. Uh, it was the most serious automobile accident in the state of Georgia in Memorial day of 2004, according to, uh, Sheila Johnson, just because of the severity of the crash, uh, somebody had left the road and crashed into the roof of their car. Uh, they'd both been horribly injured, uh, Barbara Roberts had to be air flighted away from the accident scene. Shai ended up with a tremor in his hand and a and one of his eyes was permanently damaged so he could never be a surgeon. Oh, again. no, oh, no. Not with so, a hand tremor. Yeah, so and, yeah, a lot exactly. of things happened. That, and Barbara says in this book, she says uh, she tells Sheila Johnson, our lives changed forever the night of that car accident. Now that doesn't excuse murder, mm-hmm. but it, it may give you some indication as to why uh, this otherwise successful neurosurgeon is out in the middle of Rural Alabama on April the sixth, uh, you know, ready to well,
0: that's, that commit was, a heinous crime. Exactly. That was going to be my question: is how did this, how did Barbara talk him into doing this, or or why did he want to do this? But that Do you
2: want to get into that. <laughs> what well, the what, what what are we Bo doing here? Who knows this story? All right, I'm listening. Well, you know, y'all were asking about us getting them from the airport, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we knew they were coming back from Texas. So we had the arrest warrant. We contacted AB, I mean uh, GBI, and they contacted FBI, who also contacted the Marshal Service, and they actually took them off the plane on the tarmac before they ever got to the terminal because they knew when the plane was coming in. So they loaded them up and brought them to Rockdale County Sheriff's Office where we were waiting to interview one or both of them. So during the interview of Barbara Roberts, because we interviewed her first, during part of that interview... Or maybe a later interview, she actually said that she had told uh, Bob Scheiss that her and Vernon were still having a relationship together, which fueled him, supposedly, Mm -hmm. according to her, and that his whole goal was to kidnap Darlene because he wanted to make uh, Vernon suffer like he had because what Barbara had told him about. Them still having a relationship together.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so he his his goal was to just ca- just kidnap her. It, was it ever to kill her? Was that ever the goal? According to we don't to
1: Barbara? know that he okay. he did. I always wondered about that too. But they did bring a shotgun. They did. So and, and
2: before they brought this shotgun, we had records of that we found later that they had been to all these uh, shooting clubs or they called it. Uh, I think it was the Piedmont. Hunting club something, or something. Yeah. Like that.
1: Gun club, rifle mm-hmm. club, something Where like that. Where he
2: had purchased a shotgun, mm. purchased lessons to shoot the shotgun mm. for both of them. Oh. So both of them knew how to shoot the shotgun according to the logs at the this, at this shooting mm. club.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know. Uh, uh, so
0: instead of going to Vernon man to man and saying, hey, you've been sleeping with my wife, I'm going to punch you in the face, he goes after his wife. Is that, I mean, that's according to, that's according to Barbara. Barbara. That's what
2: Barbara says. Yeah, yeah. because
0: it's making him look like, you know, real bad. She's, she's painting him Mm -hmm. very bad. So I'll shut up and let y'all finish.
1: (laughs) Well, and then this is where the, I I guess, uh, and I do not put words in your mouth, but it seems like this is where the the fog begins to lift a little bit because when you guys get both of them back into custody uh, and you sit down individually with them and start to interview them, Shice doesn't really say anything. He pleads the fifth and keeps his mouth shut and
2: asks for an attorney.
1: And asks for an attorney, which uh, advice, if you ever find yourself in a situation, do that, I would think, because it certainly turned out a lot better for uh, Bob Shice, at least initially, did for Barbara and Roberts.
5: Yeah. Because Barbara couldn't keep her
1: mouth shut. Well, Barbara couldn't. (laughs) And so she said a lot. Uh, in the, they interviewed her on the 19th. I think was the initial interview over in, what did you say, Rockdale County, County. Rockdale County. And then when you guys got her back into Cherokee County, there was uh, Mark Hicks, uh, may he rest in peace, uh, sat down and had a good long interview with her, and she just insisted on blathering on about things. I mean, she, She's she, just was, talking. Every, she was digging a hole for herself every time she mm-hmm. said anything. Uh, Do you have any, anything that stands out from you about what you heard about those? Were you in on any of those?
2: I don't, I wasn't. In the interview at Rockdale County, the initial, we were like watching the interview from another room. I got you. Uh, and I don't remember ever being in a direct interview with Barbara. I may have been, but I don't remember because there was a lot going on right, um, with the case itself. And since I was a case agent, I had to keep up with all the paperwork and make sure that things were where they were supposed to be.
1: You got to do the unfund stuff.
2: Correct. But, but <laughs> extremely,
0: <laughs> extremely important. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Not, not mean, unimportant,
1: but not the, not the yeah, beating the because streets. Because that right. so stuff goes stuff.
0: missing or gets messed up, and uh, poof, mm-hmm. everything's done. Yeah, I was responsible done.
2: for the case, case yeah. report itself so that the DA's office had what they... Needed to prosecute the case. Right. right.
1: right and before we get on into the, in, into the end of how this thing starts to get to wrap up and we get into Katie's part of the story, I'm just curious, uh, Caitlin, tell me what you remember about all of this. I mean, you were a young person at the time, but I mean, you must have memories of, of dad coming home late or uh, I'm sure you couldn't talk about the case, uh, investigator jolly, uh, especially not to your six-year-old daughter. But I mean, what do you, what do you remember about that? And what are, I mean, what is it? You Surely you're proud of your dad for being being the thing that he is here in Cherokee County and all the responsibility he has, but what do you remember about that case if you remember anything at all?
3: Um, I don't really remember much about it. I remember him not being there a lot, and Uh I remember him and Mama getting in a couple fights, because he was Uh Oh, Sorry,
1: Bo, I didn't mean to uh, get you into trouble there. Uh He
3: was always gone. A lot of nights, we were there by ourselves, you know, kind of scared, but other than that, I don't really remember much, but
1: And 2006 would have been this year, and you said you were six years old at the time, so you would have been in first grade, and you went to school at
3: I was in kindergarten about to go into first
1: grade. Okay, uh, here in center. Center, I assume. You remember who your first grade teacher was?
3: It was Miss Lisa Brandon.
1: All right, that name sounds. I guess we, an inadvertent shout out to uh, Lisa yeah, Brandon. I guess shout out uh, to Miss right. Brandon. Um, okay, I just was well, curious let me about make that. make sure that Uh-oh.
2: everybody knows that me and my wife did not get into. Uh-huh. Five. Uh-huh. <laughs> there, was, there was disagreements, and she didn't mm-hmm. understand why I was having to be gone. You know? because you can't mm-hmm. talk about it. I can't talk about it. I can't bring these cases home to my family, nor do I want to. Sure, right? Because I live it every day. I don't want to bring it home and live it again. Exactly. But at the same time, you know, it's hard to be a law enforcement family
5: mm-hmm. because
2: you know I may have to get up in the middle of a birthday party because mm-hmm. I have. And leave.
0: Well, because people who commit crimes and especially something like this, you know, they don't, they,
2: they don't it happens when it happens. They don't take us into consideration no. when they're doing that stuff.
0: No, yeah. and I, I can imagine it would be hard and especially Caitlin, you're talking about y'all there at night and uh and, and you're afraid and part of that is, is the not knowing and the worrying about, you know, is dad okay? And and that's just that's that's what it's like. That's why it's so tough being law enforcement family correct yes Mm ma'am i can imagine i i cannot imagine what what you guys were going through and i know that that's i'm not trying to sit here and make Bo feel guilty here but i was just saying i think it's working no i'm sorry i'm just (laughs) but i but i'm saying that you know law enforcement families pay a price and i think that's important for us to to bring that to light
3: right yeah Yeah, And we were worried about him you know i mean not that young really but you know, as we were growing up, we were always worried, you know, he puts a uniform on. It may be the last time he ever gets to put it on. So, Exactly. You, know, you, take, you can't take stuff like that for granted. But,
1: yeah. uh, Bo, I assume that you're off this Saturday. Is that correct?
2: Uh, yeah, I made, it, made sure that I was <laughs> off for this Saturday. If you missed the
1: first part of the show, uh, Caitlin is getting married uh, this coming Saturday afternoon. We won't give away the location, but uh, we've talked about the honeymoon already. So uh, I'm sure you guys have a great weekend. Hey, Dad's going to be there.
3: That's going to be great.
1: So, All right. Um, all right. So this is pretty much, I mean, we've got we've got our two suspects in custody.
0: Let me, can I just give a, just to give a recap, because I'm the dummy in the room. Go. I just want to make sure that I understand everything right. that's going yeah, on. Yeah, not a bad idea. So we have a lady who's coming home from Rome, Georgia. She's driving in her vehicle. She calls her husband. I'm going to Walmart after I take my daughter home. And then I'm going to, do you need me to get anything? And then I'll be home. So she does her thing. She goes to Walmart. She takes the daughter home. She's driving down the road. There's a vehicle, a black truck on the side of the road. Correct? Yes. The black truck. Mm-hmm. The hood is up. There's a man there who needs help. Right. She pulls over. She gets out. She doesn't have shoes on because she wore high heels. And that's Jicked not Kicked them off fun. when she got in the car. No fun. Right. Driving in those, I can tell you that right now. Yeah. So when she gets out and she she approaches the man, then Barbara, who she knows because she's married to Barbara's ex husband, pops up. They try to tie her up with gauze. They attack her. She's running through a field. They get in her car and chase her. She tries to run to a pond. The whole time they're shooting at her. They end up shooting and killing her, and she's lying there by the pond. The there's a call to nine one one. Bo enters the scene, and you find the glasses, correct, right. ok.
2: Not just that day. It was days later, but
0: but you're you guys are you're doing your thing at the scene and you find the evidence, and some of that is the glasses. That's how you start tying it to Barbara after you have ruled out her husband, Vern, who has gone to Walmart and back to look for her because it's taken way too long.
2: And then we got evidence to show that he actually did that because we went to Walmart and pulled their their video surveillance for mm-hmm. outside, even pulled the video surveillance for when Darlene was actually in the store because we had the groceries in the back, right. which also had the receipt, which is time-stamped and dated. Mm-hmm. And, and it showed Vernon driving up and down every aisle of that,
0: so he's Working looking line. for her car. Yes. He's he's truly looking for her. Yes. So his behavior is not suspicious at all. No. Okay. So it's that of a, of a worried husband. And so then, in the meantime, Barbara's mother has a heart attack. They fly to Texas, which is where Barbara and Vernon, is it Vern?
2: Vernon. 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 Vernon,
0: Vern- yeah. Vernon are from, and they attend the funeral. She's with her new, is he a husband or is yeah. he a
1: boyfriend? Boyfriend.
0: Okay, the yeah, he's, right. He's his boyfriend. They right. uh, you used to be neurosurgeon, mm-hmm. and they're in Texas. And while they're there, they're saying some suspicious things. They're asking some suspicious questions to the nephew, who's a deputy, who then lets you guys know that you guys take them off the tarmac when they get back to Georgia. Correct. And then you question them. Barbara's saying. All kinds of things. Yeah. Yes. And the doc is saying... Nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm good. I'm curious as to why... Why would Darlene make a statement Barbara. that Barbara... Oh. No. If I'm dead at some point, Barbara did it. Why would she say that? There what? were several
1: events, and I know... The one that I know about is the, the one night when... they So there was one night when Vernon and... Darlene were in the hot tub together uh, behind their house after they had be- after they'd married behind whose house it's behind Vernon and Darlene's house that's where they live it's the so same B- house. the ex
0: wife's like I'm gonna come over and get in the hot tub well, uh, no
2: this is where Darlene and Vernon live right is the same house that Barbara and Vernon lived in prior to their
0: divorce okay all right so, so and,
1: yeah she thinks hey this is still my house maybe I don't know but anyway she's in black she's dressed from head to toe in black all black sneaking through the woods watching them in the hot tub, and Vernon sees her.
0: Okay, so Barbara's runs. not in the hot tub. No.
1: No, no, she's I was going to get to outside. that. <laughs> Eventually.
0: Oh, sorry, Scott.
1: That's all right. Anyway, so Barbara is in the woods watching Darlene and Vernon in the hot enjoy tub. themselves in the hot tub, in whatever shape, form, or fashion that was, and Vernon sees her and runs and grabs her and throws her into the car and tells her to leave.
2: No, he actually sees some kind of silhouette of somebody. Okay, okay. And he jumps out of the hot tub. And takes off running, and she's running down toward the, the county road, which is where their house sits from that dirt county road mm. is a good long ways to be running. I got So you. he runs her down and, catch, and catches her. He doesn't know it's her until he catches her. He just mm-hmm. sees the silhouette. Now, this is a story they're telling us, that once he tackles that person, he realizes it's Barbara. And he's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know? And then she leaves. I don't know,
1: but I mean, you could see that would—that's the the motivation that Darlene has to say, "My God, that woman's crazy." Mm-hmm. So if anything ever happens to me, she's obviously jealous. They talked on the phone a lot, Vernon and Barbara still, and that was always a, a sticking point for Darlene. That she didn't, she nor her children uh, were very fond of the fact that Vernon and. Barbara still talked on the phone on a regular basis. And
0: did they share, do they have children together? Is there a reason they would be no, on the phone?
1: No, don't have any No children. kids together.
0: So oh, that, that's odd that they're still talking on the phone Well, Darlene together. always
1: thought so to the point where she told her friends and her son at, on at least one occasion, if anything ever happens to me, find Barbara. She probably did it.
0: Did Barbara do anything else? I mean, enough. I mean, there was some. around. There were some other incidents, right?
2: There were some other instances where... You know, she come out one morning and go to work, and her car spray painted all over oh. with vulgar stuff over it. Uh, she had to call the fire department one time to her apartment before her and Vernon were married. That uh, there was smoke coming out of one of the vents out the off the side of it. So uh, they never did link that or the the spray painting of the car to Barbara. But uh, an interesting fact that I can't remember if I told you when we met. But when Barbara and Vernon got divorced. She didn't even get the, the car that she drove. Oh, I, you did tell me that. Yeah, So when, when Vernon and Darlene were married, she drove the car that Barbara used to drive. Ooh, nice. Because she couldn't afford to buy a car, didn't want a car, and thought, well, whatever Vernon's got is probably good enough for me. So she drove that car. And then at one point, Vernon says, hey, we're going to just buy you a new car. So Thanks, he, Vernon. He carries that car to the lot and trades it in on a Nissan Murano, which was the vehicle she was driving that was parked in the pasture that mm-hmm. they took her hostage or whatever. So after Barbara finds out that, hey, Darlene's in a new car, she goes and buys that car back. <gasps> she,
1: yeah, she goes to the used car lot and buys her old car back.
2: And then that's the car that her and Shias is in when they have this automobile accident, which is totaled. So she talks him into having to buy the car back and having it rebuilt again. So it's the same car. If I'm him, well, so there's some kind of.
4: I didn't even know you could buy back a totaled car like that. Oh yeah. I thought yeah, I thought you could buy it all the time. Wow! An wow.
2: insurance company and then re, rebuild it and have a rebuilt to, uh, title for it.
4: Oh wow! That is extremely
0: difficult. So if she to wanted insure, this car. She definitely obsessed,
2: wanted this car. She's obsessed with Vernon. Yeah, uh, obviously.
0: And if I'm this doctor. And I'm supposed to be smart. Well. I might start figuring this out that, wait a minute.
1: Well, I think. This the,
0: woman doesn't love me.
1: I think the unfortunate thing for Dr. Scheiss was that he was involved in this accident that changed his life forever. He became an alcoholic at that point and got hooked on pain relievers probably. I mean, a lot of, he had a, uh, they'd stuck a pin in his femur all the way from his hip to his knee. A mm. uh, lot of reconstructive surgery, a lot of pain. So, you know. I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to give you an explanation for why maybe he wasn't in his right mind because yeah, definitely. now he's violent and he's drinking and he's taking pills. And like Bo said a minute ago, And he's ago, buying that back his
0: cars and right. rebuilding them. And,
2: and I don't know that Vernon is the one that's instigating these conversations between he and Barbara. Yeah, know. certainly not. She, no, she may wait, calling ahead. him. Probably and it may be
4: him. just easier for him to answer the call as opposed to
1: Mm, yeah, with the talk to her for a minute and a half and, and say and okay gotta go mm-hmm. click and maybe it's over with for i would
0: have to also tell vernon that um he should not doubt darlene's feelings for him if she's putting up with all of this and she's stayed with him
1: yep wow mm-hmm. i mean
4: so did you have anything else leading up to the trial
1: you were involved in some aspects of that too right i mean there was a plea deal that you were you and I spoke about, that you were involved in on some level. Well, you know, this case
2: took, I think, nearly two years Mm -hmm. to come to trial. Of course, I was since I was a case agent, I was totally committed to everything to do with the trial. And then we had pre-trial meetings and and gathering evidence and making sure we had everything right before we go to a trial, just like they all do in every case, no matter whether it's a murder case or whatever, they have to get ready for a trial. So we did that for like a week or a week and a half, it seems like to get ready for the trial, because we knew the trial was coming up. And then from what I understand, there was multiple pleas throughout all this to say, hey, this is what we can offer you. you know, if you're willing to do this with your attorney, then uh, they were offered, from what I understand, several pleas prior to the trial date.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, he always used to come to the high school and tell it. And I was, I was always mad because Sandrock had a, um, what was it, a forensics class? Forensics class, like right. And he always got to go and do that, and so I, you know, I bargained with him and asked him to come to my science and math club. Okay, and I did get to
1: see to- that uh, I think sixty-seven slides in your uh, PowerPoint presentation of this case, and thank you for letting me take a look at that. But so that's what you took around and showed to these forensic classes here in, in the local school system.
2: Yes, yes, and actually the Sandrock class, actually one of the first ones that we did up there because they had the forensics cl- science class that was involved in their science division. Uh, some of those students uh, were so, I guess, involved in taking all this in from this class, the first one that I did, I had created this slideshow, and then uh, they dubbed it the class case to all the um. other students at the school, right? <laughs> and then everybody started wanting to sign up for this forensic science class, not only for my presentation, but we had other investigators there that was involved also, but... That was what they dubbed it, the eyeglass case.
0: That is so fascinating. I didn't even know that Sandrock School offered that. And Sandrock is a, is a K-12 school here in Cherokee County. And we have, you know, how many? We
5: yeah, have five? Uh, five, 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 five,
2: yeah.
0: County right. schools. Yeah. So it's one of those. And so they offer this. Are they the only one that offers a forensic I
2: don't class? know if they still offer it now or not, because I've been out of investigations for about six years now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, there was actually it was actually offered at Cherokee County High School at some point, mm-hmm. from what I understand, uh, and then I don't know for whatever reason it went to Sandrock Rock or how that works with the Board of Education and mm-hmm. what they decide in mm-hmm. the science department. But that's what we did for years up there at, at Sand Rock was to help teach the the forensics part of their science department.
0: That is so interesting. And, I, man, if that had been offered at Cherokee County High School when I was there, I would have definitely oh yeah, oh yeah, taken that. That I, I bet the students were very into, I mean, they were just very uh, oh focused. Oh, yeah, they really
2: got involved.
0: Mm-hmm, we, I bet. Not
2: only because of this case, but they, they really appreciated us coming to help. So did the, the, the teachers also, of course, but they were really involved and they really appreciated us.
0: It's it's so very interesting to see how you guys do this, and you start, you know, you start with the crime has already happened, and then you have to work your way back to what happened. And it's so interesting to see that step by step. I would love to see that presentation. If you ever give that presentation again, I want to know because I'm going to be on the front row. I can't (laughs) wait to see that. But so, Caitlin, so you you got him to come and do that, so you were able to pull pull some strings with Dad and get that. In your class. So tell us about that experience. How was that for you?
3: Um, let me see. I think it was ninth grade or 11th grade. I was in Kim uh, Graves' class. Oh, hey,
1: Kim. Hey, Kim.
3: All of my friends were like, oh, wow, your dad's so cool. And I was like, yeah, I know. He's my hero. Oh. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we, um, me and um, Kim Graves always had a joke. We called each other Barbara for the oh, really? remainder of my high school inside joke because you know, she really enjoyed it, and all my friends enjoyed it. So, every time, like, he talks about it, like, I'm obsessed
1: with it. Mm-hmm. That's why I was telling Scott that not an Easy Street. But, yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know. how, that's how we all ended up here together at this yeah. table today. And so. so,
0: Caitlin, do you have any kind of goals as to go into this kind of thing? Or are you, nah?
3: Um... I I used to want to be a police officer, but it's kind of getting bad out there now. So yeah, no, kind of
0: trying to go a different direction. Dad says no. <laughs> <laughs> Dad says no. <laughs> so better better uh, go with what Dad says on yeah, this one yeah, then. Yeah, yeah okay. Good advice
1: from, from Dad there.
0: <laughs> so that that is very cool, and I bet I bet people were talking with you constantly about your dad's presentation and yes, and, and I
3: got him the other night. Well, it wasn't the other night. It was like a month ago. Um, it was after me and Scott had talked about it, and um, I got him to pull the presentation up on the TV at the house, and I showed you know my fiance Blake and the rest of the family that didn't get to hear it, you know, both my sisters. And so they were all interested, and then my grandparents ended up coming in and they you know listened to it, and it was just like it was
1: So now we have two people who can perform the presentation not just Bo can do it, but now you've seen it so many times that you can just pick up the clicker and wow. just run with the whole show oh, yeah. even if dad's out of town. Yeah. Okay, gotcha.
0: <laughs> Well, and now they can listen to this podcast episode. Yeah. Oh, that's that's great. That That's great. And uh, a little shout out to the fiance, Blake. Hello. Hey Blake. Blake Gossett. <laughs> <laughs> See you
3: right? Saturday. See you Saturday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much yeah. for that. All right, so Katie, you got any housekeeping? Well, I guess...
4: We're just going to let everyone know to follow us on all our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram. Keep up with us. Keep listening wherever you're listening. Yeah,
1: whatever your favorite podcast platform, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple, iTunes, uh, Anchor, and Spotify.
4: We're really thankful for Bo and Caitlin coming and talking to us about this. We would have never had all this information because I did a good bit of research. Scott read a book or half a book. Uh, Half. I did but nothing. I'm sorry. first-hand account is awesome, so thank you guys. Yes,
0: that was that was so interesting today. Thank you guys so much. And this will feel, be the well, this will be part one of, of a two parter. I was about to say if you feel like we just kind of stopped, it's because
4: well we got long winded here, and we're gonna <laughs> we are gonna tell you about the court case itself and what happened, and it gets even crazier from there. There's a little yeah. a
0: little. And I just want to give a, nuts. I want to give a quick shout out to Jamie Talent. Sorry, Jamie, this is a two-parter. <laughs> oh, oh just, <laughs> he saw me Jamie one day and he like was, like, ooh, you are wearing me out with those
4: two-parters. So, well, just, sorry, Jamie. <laughs> if you listened, I should, We should tell you ahead of time. Just wait a week, take a week
5: off, <laughs> listen to him. Yeah. Side by side.
1: Good night, everybody.